Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me, we've been talking about this for months. Ben Sefton, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Episode 385. The theme, delaying of gratification. Now, you went on tour. Uh, you want, you're a comedian here in Austin, Texas. Right. And you wanted to see the New Orleans comedy scene. So, but you weren't really that prepared and then some things went awry so it, what can you tell me about what well what year was this too so um this was in 2022 um and it was more than that i, I would basically been asked by my father to travel to tennessee to take care of my uncle during a surgery that he was having um i had plans to go to florida for uh edc out there, and so I was putting together a month-long road trip where I would drive from Austin, Texas to Florida, uh, up to North Carolina, over to Tennessee, and back to Austin. And um, that was the plan, and then I was just going to do stand-up comedy along the way, uh, do some camping, uh, that sort of stuff. And uh, night one of this road trip, I went from Austin to New Orleans, and uh, I had planned to spend maybe two days in New Orleans. Um, I wanted to do a comedy show here, but I was more eager to get to Florida for the uh, electronic music festival I was attending. Um, I had made arrangements with a friend of mine to sleep on their couch the first time I was there. And a comedy of errors just proceeded to unfold where I left his apartment um, and got locked out with my cell phone in his apartment and my charger that I was getting out of my car, um, stranded me and he was a little drunk and passed out and I couldn't get him to wake up. So it's about 2am in New Orleans on my first night there. This is like March 10th of 2022. Um, so I decided to just go to the casino for a while. I know he has work at six o'clock in the morning as a DJ at a strip club. And so I just... So you think you got four hours. I got four hours to kill. Uh, try, try and make it back to his apartment to um, find my phone. But it's my first time in New Orleans. Or second time in New Orleans. First time driving there by myself. And um, I wasn't that familiar with the area. I didn't have his address necessarily to get back to his place. So I missed the six o'clock window. Ended up driving around around 10 o'clock that next morning. Uh, I was completely sober at the time, wasn't drinking, but I had been up all night and, and had driven over 15 hours at this point. And I took a wrong turn, popped a curb, uh, got two flat tires, and I damaged the axle on my car. Um, and my car was full of camping gear, DJ equipment, laptop, my clothes. Um, I was I was kind of, didn't have much of a budget for this trip. I'm staying in hotels, but I have a nice Audi SUV. So I was planning on sleeping in the back of it, which I did. But now my car is suddenly disabled. I have um, really limited money because my father hadn't quite funded the part of me getting to Tennessee yet. So there was money on the way and there was, I was working the EDC vessel in Florida, so I was gonna make money there. Um, so I'm pretty broke. And I basically find myself homeless on the streets of New Orleans for the first time ever. We contact the insurance company for the car. Um, 
and it's because of a recent hurricane, almost every repair shop has like a month to two long wait to actually get my car repaired. Um, so I uh, didn't want to immediately return to Austin because I had so many possessions with me. Um, so I ended up towing my car to a couple different places. Um, one of them being to the Audi dealership uh, in Metarine. And uh, I made that kind of my home base. Um, at first, uh, I slept in my car that was on their lot one night. And then the next morning, I was arrested by New Orleans Police Department for trespassing there. And um, kind of stupid because I was authorizing them to work on my car. I can understand they don't necessarily want somebody kind of in a homeless situation sleeping on their lot. But they didn't address my need to get my car off their property and um, so I could stay in it. Um, so you didn't have your friend's phone number to say, hey, can you pick me up in Metri and bring you back? Can I stay at your apartment? Um, well, so I, I uh, eventually... Um, <coughs> well, so after my initial car accident, I... Uh, went to a hotel and um, I don't know I, I grabbed a beer I sat down and then somebody came up to me and tried to throw me out of the hotel and ended up hitting me a couple times and giving me a concussion and put me in the hospital that first morning I was in New Orleans and uh, so from there I was actually so you you had you Paid for the hotel, or you were out staying the term that you were allowed to stay there, or why did? I, I mean, I mean, it, it was just it was just a cafe that was a part of the hotel. I didn't think there's any reason why I shouldn't be there. Um, I don't know if they thought I was stealing the beer because I took one out of the cooler and I sat down and planned to go pay for it in a minute, but there's a little line. I guess there's some misunderstanding. Um, but yeah, this this barista like violently threw me out of the restaurant and then gave me two black eyes. And put me in the hospital. And uh, uh, from there, I was put in a mental hospital for 10 days out in the middle of Louisiana. So it took me 10 days from the time I had my accident, my car being towed, getting back into town. And then, so now it's like March 20th. And um, I make arrangements to sit at a homeless shelter the first night. That was part of the uh, mental ho hospital, giving me a place to stay. And eventually I got to a library, contacted this guy on Facebook, said, hey, you have my phone, and got it back uh, 11 days later. Um, so. Yeah, that solves a lot of problems when you're actually able to communicate with people, when you have your phone handy, you can also have the internet and go to... Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty impossible to live a modern life these days without a smartphone. Um, there's a lot of things that you can't do without them. Um, and... So, at this point, my car was in a towed lot, so I had to borrow money to get it out of the lot. Wasn't sure exactly what was wrong with it, and I took it to a couple places, and eventually wound up at the Audi dealership. So... And then you're sleeping in the back of the Audi dealership, and that's trespassing. Right. Even though it's your property. Right. It's your property on their property. Right. And, um... Can't a guy catch a break? Yeah. So, so and, and I don't know, like... I don't think I did a good job explaining that this was my first time in a homeless situation or if the people are really just that 
Like, I didn't, you know, go around begging for money or anything, but I was definitely just trying to survive and kind of keep my situation more secretive, you know? Like, I told... I, I had a hotel the first couple nights, so I was I told the dealership I was going to the hotel, um, but just money ran out quickly. Um, so let's get to the fun part of this story. So, <laughs> after my initial welcoming there, um, I have about a month-long period where... Uh, from like March 20th through Easter in April to May, I spent my birthday there, where I'm sleeping in my car and I've got a little uh, Uber credit card. So that's my main mode of transportation. And so I get on 504comedy.com after making a Reddit post and I'm like, let's do open mics. And so that was my main source of entertainment in New Orleans was... Um, doing prob I probably did 25 or 30 shows in that time uh, I would go to an open mic almost every night um, it was a really interesting experience just like being kind of homeless for the first time and I give myself a lot of uh, attributes to being resilient of just kind of like walking around and killing time and not really having that much money but managing to eat a little bit and made a couple friends um do you think that the, the fabric between the spirit world and the real world is thinner in New Orleans? Do you think there's something to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely feel, um, over Easter especially, I, I was completely out of money. And I, I made it almost five days from Good Friday to two days after Easter fasting. Not really on purpose, but I didn't have any money to eat. And... I, I definitely at that time felt some uh, spiritual connections to the city and, and Christ and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, people should fast on Good Friday. Like, if you saw the Lord crucified, it would make you lose your appetite. And so. <laughs> I think the Roman soldiers were having big turkey sandwiches <laughs> right. while they were poking them um, on the cross. Um, okay, so you, you did 30 open mics, you were just out of the mental hospital, you were sleeping in your car in the dealership, You were now you had your car back and you were sleeping on it in the road, but it was partially disabled. Uh, How, how'd you make it back to Austin? What, you know? so, um, so I spend about you know March 20th to May 10th or so um, going from Metairie all over the city, and about halfway through that point, probably... Um, my car gets accepted to a body shop that's way out in the ninth ward on the other side of town and it gets towed over there kind of against my knowledge like um, this vehicle was newly acquired uh, my dad bought it for me and I hadn't quite registered it in my name yet and um, so he was paying the insurance for it and he basically towed the car out from underneath me without mm -hmm. talking to me and put it in this body shop who put it on a lift and now it's locked up and I can't sleep in it anymore. Um, which was frustrating because um, that very first day he did it, my backpack with my laptop and my DJ gear got stolen because I had to sleep under a bridge that night and I shut it down. I wasn't able you to couldn't call your car. buddy that you stayed on his couch, or he just you overstayed your welcome there. Um, I, I mean, he was he was a friend of a friend, and um, 
I, I didn't reach out to him very much once I got my phone back. He was kind of busy. I didn't know him that well, so I didn't really want to intrude. Mm. Um, so you don't want to impose, so you, you stay under a bridge. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. But yeah. your dad's like, hey, your car needs fixed. Let me, I found a place to get it fixed, but then your shit gets stolen. Your DJ gear gets my, my laptop and my DJ gear got stolen out of the car that first night. Ugh. And uh, because the, the windows were rolled down, the battery had died. And so it was just open picking. And then if I wasn't there to protect my stuff, it all got stolen at the ninth ward. Uh, so that was that was what I was trying to prevent. This whole month I spent in New Orleans, like you know, I didn't have the money to ship all my stuff back, and I, and I'm trying to get it fixed, and so I can just drive home. Um, and man, New Orleans is a wild town. It's actually um, it's extremely dangerous. Um, just thinking about some of the experiences I had in that month before we get to getting out of. Austin eventually took a bus back, and uh, that's the end of that. And that's August 1st of last year, I got back into Austin. Um, but just thinking about New Orleans, as uh, you know, it's an interesting town, it's a cool place to kind of be experiencing homelessness just because everything is 24 hours and you can find places to kind of hang out. Um, you were there like six months. I was there three months. Oh, I thought you said March 10. Well, yeah. Well, March, 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 April, August. May, June, July. That's five. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of that was incarcerated. And another month of that was in the mental hospital. Uh, so, like, June and July. And then you I went to an open mic. That, that reads... Yeah. Um, well, and you were you were incarcerated for the sleeping in your car. Um, no, on I, private property. I I I was um, I was traveling to the ninth ward, um, to this car place to retrieve clothes and stuff of mine almost every day, uh, so I could continue to change out my clothes, and then I would Uber back to New Orleans to go do open mics and walk around the city and find a place to sleep or whatever. Um, but completely outside and homeless during this time. And um, it was really stupid. I um, was in the ninth ward, and over there, like, I, I was doing a little more drinking than I've done in the past year. Like, drinking during the day is a way to pass the time. Um, and so I got arrested for being drunk in public in the ninth ward. Um, for having an open container on the street around two o'clock in the afternoon, and um, I had been awake for a couple of days and had just been assaulted the previous day. That's a whole other story. Um, and I didn't see a judge um, for this drunken public charge, and so I literally had to spend a month in jail until my court date came up again, and I saw a judge, and he let me out. Mm. So it was just a complete waste of time for a small minor charge. But uh, hey, they fed you. They uh... yeah. I, I mean, I I, I, I I felt I was in a safe place to sleep for a day or two when I got in there. But I didn't expect them to keep me for a month. And um, then, what, any uh, was it dangerous in the jail? Did you have to join a gang? Um, I mean, I was. You know, in there for a minor misdemeanor with people that were facing seriously felony charges. Um, one guy got 16 years for shooting his girlfriend. 
Um, and like he, he had just gone to court and came back with that sentence a minute later this poor kid is probably 20 years old and that's got to be a lot of pressure on you um, I, I did get punched in the face by this one guy um, who was going who had done 15 years for a murder got caught with a gun and now is going back for life imprisonment um, and so it was kind of a weird place for me to be with like you know, I was drunk in public. Um, well, you were probably like hallucinating <laughs> if you were up for three days. No, <clears throat> uh, not really at that point. Um, Did you get a gym membership? <clears throat> How were you showering, or were you not? I, I, I wasn't showering as often as I'd like to. Um, no. Uh, like, um, I mean... Occasionally, my mom would spruce and give me a hotel room, and I would obviously just crash out in the shower. Um, but where are they? They're here in Austin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So. You, okay. So go on. So you. <laughs> how did you get back to Austin? You took a bus, but you left your car there. But it was at the repair shop being fixed, well, so then you could come so, back and get it. So, um, my driver's license was expired at the time I was taking this trip, and I had lied to my dad and said it wasn't expired or that I had a license. Okay. And when he found out that I didn't have a driver's license, he made such a hissy fit about it that he refused to let me take the car. Like, as a 38-year-old man, he took this car away from me at that point to teach me some sort of lesson. And um, the reason I, don't have, I haven't renewed my driver's license is... A little complicated, but he knows why. Um, and boy, we're talking a whole lot about my criminal career, not my uh, stand-up comedy career in this podcast. Well, they're kind of conflated. <laughs> well, a lot of the I'm story. No, I'm no stranger to the poke. A lot. Of, a lot of the story has to do with um, pre-COVID. Um, I was arrested, and um, I still have a warrant pending on that, even though I've. I've been to jail i've done the time for the crime i've gotten out and then the warrant hasn't cleared and so i've been arrested since this warrant in 2020 nine times because almost every time i've had a police interaction and i've been a victim of assaults and a robbery and called the police and because i've had a warrant they have thrown a new charge at me and taken me to jail nine times and then every time they take me to jail they figure out it's a mistake and they let me out but then there's this new charge lingering and in all in the last three years, this has been chaos in my life because I've never been in trouble before. And um, I've got all these charges against me dismissed in Travis County, but I've still got like a $900 fine I've got to pay to get this warrant taken care of. I don't have the money for so I can renew my driver's license. So it just keeps on coming up. And so that, I think, is what contributed to my arrest in New Orleans. Not that I was necessarily doing anything wrong, but because when police see that you have a warrant, they take you in and they give you that other charge and just so they can run you through the computer and see if they're going to extradite you. But obviously, for like a misdemeanor traffic ticket warrant, they're not going to ship you across state lines in handcuffs. Um, it sounds more expensive than nine hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, but it is. It is. Um, it is. It is a racket because once you get into the system, it gets hard to get out of it completely because everything is just more time and money. You know. Yeah. Okay. 
So your dad flew to New Orleans to get the car and drove um, it back to you? No, he, he was actually living in Greece at this time. So that added a bunch of complexity in make, like communicating with him because he's on the other side of the globe. Um, but my mom and her husband flew out and uh, drove the car back. Um, and then um, after I was, I was in the jail in the ninth ward and you're talking about spiritual connections and, and I got a little angry at the guards because they had been keeping me in there so long so they threw me in isolation and I totally had a spiritual connection with somebody I thought had drowned in that cell during Katrina because this is one of the areas that was completely underwater and like they didn't evacuate the jail and like I felt that emotion. So you had a, a, a I, motion, a, um, a invisible friend? Well, I, I mean, just, I felt that spirit and I felt that panicking, like, like as the water would rise up and you're in an isolation cell and there's nothing you can do, like just that, oh, that no. fear. And I, and I felt that, um, and I guess I, uh, because I have a mental health diagnosis of being schizoaffective, not schizophrenic, but schizoaffective, um, which is a little less severe than schizophrenia, but it, it, it can come with. Uh, hallucinations, but it's visually and audibly, uh, mood swings and stuff like that. Well, um, okay, that's what Western doctors say. Or you <laughs> met the ghost of the drowning lady. Right, right. Um, the and, water lady, the water woman. Or the poor guy that was in the jail or cell. Poor man. Yeah. Um, so after that 30 days in jail in the Ninth Ward, they took me to a mental hospital at um, the... New Orleans General Hospital and I had one of the most frustrating experiences in my life there they, I had a brand new psychiatrist she was in her summer off of just graduating to becoming a doctor one of her first patients I've been doing mental health care for about 20 years she diagnoses me as being bipolar which has always been the first thing they throw at me but I'm not bipolar because I don't get depression I get mania and I get hallucinations but I don't get depression so it's not an accurate diagnosis um, and I tried explaining that to her for weeks, and um, eventually she got a court order to inject me with a long-term antipsychotic that I was against. Um, and I tried to counter sue the hospital for $650 million to get them to stop. And they won their hearing, injected me with this long-term drug. I spent nine days hallucinating after they did that. And then they paid for a bus ticket to send me back to Austin. That's how I got back to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's cheaper than $650 million. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. schizoaffective. So, you, you're you still effective at being a person. Well, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I still have, like, you know, I can be in a state of mania. And I might not be able to... Um, take care of myself in some of those circumstances but it's 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 just it's just a different type of disorder where i don't have like a lot of like you know the cia is coming to get me or any of that kind of stuff but it's just like really grandiose ideas um like i want to start companies i, I think uh, like any thought i have is like really positive and good and i share it a lot and people don't really see my level and um I mean, my, my whole mental health history is something I did not necessarily wanted to go into on a podcast on the, my first episode ever, 
But it's been really long and drawn out. Um, and there's mental illness that runs in my family that I believe has negatively contributed to my mental health care over the years. Um, my mom, for example, has like clinical depression. And I bought this house in 2014 after working for you know 20 years in a row um, from 14 years old to 34 or whatever. I was a little bit younger. I bought this house at like 28. Um, and my mom has done things like she has seasonal depression and she has called 911 and asked for the mental health police to come check on me in my own home over a dozen times. Lots of times when I'm doing fine. Um, like she did this six New Year's Eves in a row and I was forcefully taken to an adult hospital each of those New Year's Eves and I had to spend three days there as a mandatory and then I was released all because she places a call and I have PTSD from all these police encounters so I always don't act calm and reasonable as I should around police I don't really respect them and I, um, I, I don't pass the attitude test is what my lawyer says that's why they're always throwing me in the hospital. Um, well, you could just like kind of deadbolt the door and not um, answer if they don't have a warrant, you know. Right. I made that mistake when uh, my roommate called the cops on me because he wanted to get drugs. And I opened the door and I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, so just don't let the vampires in. Speaking of vampires, was there a demon in your television one time? Um did you have to destroy a television because there was a demon in it? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, I threw a ninja star at my last TV. Oh, a ninja star. In, in the middle of, of an episode. Uh, that I was kind of going a television through. episode? Uh, well, it, it, it was... A psychiatric it, episode? It, it, it was last October. This is my last... Um, psychotic little episode I went through was last October um, uh, because I was coming off that long-term injectable from New Orleans I didn't have a refill on it um, I, I've maintained psychiatry appointments this entire time and never missed one so all that's what's been most frustrating about being fortunately hospitalized over and over again is I've always had a psychiatrist he's always been available to call I've always paid that money and my and just that never happens like like my contingency plan never gets taken care of on what we should actually be doing that's more reasonably priced and um actually on target with what i'm working with my psychiatrist with because every time you're put in a new hospital situation it's just a fresh set of eyes and different med combinations and it can do a lot of damage to your psyche um so as i'm coming off that long-term injectable which was given to me in, you know, July of 2022. Do you know the name of the drug that they shot in you? No, I don't remember. It's like, it's a patchel or something. Um, um, so it's like October. And, it, and I was just wearing off that drug. And um, sometimes, I, I, sometimes I can get a little destructive in my moments. Um, and yeah, I did throw a ninja star at my TV because of some reason. But... Well, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you know, you just see through the fabric and, you know, you think you're watching your TV and the TV's watching you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the TV wasn't, you know, it was nine years old. It, it, was, it was an okay TV. But it was ready to go. Yeah. I mean, you did it, it a favor. It, it wasn't like, it, 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 you know, I've, I haven't replaced it. I've always got a smaller one now. But um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it's a fine television. Yeah. So you you were we were texting last night, and you use had mentioned some kind of like OCD habits, like you get one fountain drink a day and then when you get food you don't drink like you seem to have like procedures around your behavior you know what i'm talking about no not necessarily i was just talking about money um i i i i uh, the, the one fountain drink a day has been a new habit of mine i've just been doing this summer uh going to 7-eleven and buying a couple packs of cigarettes and a fountain drink in the morning um, because I've been alcohol free for almost this whole year and I've been, uh, that's been a new adjustment for me. Um, not completely alcohol free, but I'm drinking a lot less than I have in the past. Um, when I started drinking soda again and it hasn't been great. I've gained a little bit of weight, but yeah, those, uh, high fructose corn syrups you got to watch out for. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I ran into you in the grocery store. I ran into you at Nosh and Bevy. Um, I feel like, uh, you know. <laughs> We, we went out a couple times trying to do open mics here in Austin, and for some reason, we have the worst luck. I don't know if you got that rain cloud from, uh, from New Orleans, but like every time we went out to do a show, I think we did this two or three times, they were like, oh yeah, it's actually tomorrow, or it's next week, or it's, you know? Yeah. We had like the worst luck. We, did, we had a run where we were going out a, uh, a couple times, and every time, whatever comedy wham told us turned out to be bullshit. Yeah, it's. I haven't found a good um, directory of all the mics, and I my, um, you know my my the majority of the comedy I've done in Austin was pre-pandemic. Uh, I started in 2014 doing comedy, so I'm entering my tenth year next year, um, and, and I haven't I haven't picked up the momentum since the pandemic that I would like to. I know Austin is doing a busting scene. I've done Kill Tony twice. Uh, I was really excited for the Mr. Tramps open mic to come back, uh, but I haven't been doing that as much as I would like to. Um, so I'm just not really, um, just not in the habit of going to mics like I should be. Uh, what is it that attracted you to comedy? Um, I've always been interested in acting and performance and improv and stuff like that. Um, I went to the McCallum Fine Arts Academy. Um, which happened to be in district for me, but I did plays and technical theater there. Um, I, uh, um, I, my career was focused from call center to IT support stuff. And I had a lot of social anxiety issues, uh, during my early twenties to early thirties. Um, and I went through, um, I, I would get in these situations where I would be like, a projector would go down in the middle of a meeting, and I'd have to go to the front of the thing and fix it, and I'd be like a nervous wreck. And so, um, I was dating this girl, and we broke up, and I was devastated. I wanted to get out of the house and do something new, so I went and did karaoke, which is not my thing, because I'm not much of a singer. And then I found a Mr. Tramp's open mic the next night, and I did my first comedy show, and I just fell in love with it, and I've been doing it ever since. Cool. And it's really helped me with, you know, getting over my fear of crowds and speech and, um, and prevented a lot of those situations of having, you know, fear when you know what you're supposed to be doing, and just because people might be watching is all gone, so...
Good. Yeah, yeah and um, it's funny because I've, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of times I've gone from here to New Orleans. And, you know, when I filmed my special, I went from L.A. to New Orleans to New York. And that, and part of that is scary because even though I had every show I was going to do on like a fucking Excel spreadsheet, every hotel I was going to stay in, like all pre-bought all along the way before day one I got in the car to drive, every every stop was planned for. But I sort of realized, like, if I pop a tire like you did, or I my axle goes, everything is fucked because I pre-bought every single hotel. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, if I miss one, then the drive time to the next one is double, and like there was no room for error. So when you were telling me your story in New Orleans, how you get locked out, then you get, now you're in the mental hospital. Now you're even trying to sleep at the dealership where your car is being repaired. It just sounds like such a nightmare to me where you're there like four and a half, five months because it's like, you know, every time I go and I do lower stakes things, we're just like from here to Baton Rouge to back, I'll, um, I'm going to be at the Boomerang Comedy Theater in September. But like, uh, you know, oh, you're, you're, 12 hours from home and you don't and you have like you know a shoestring budget to make everything happen one thing goes wrong and you're just screwed yeah yeah um that that's part of being in poverty like i i am um but i i I did i did not have the greatest budget for this trip or much of one at all and it definitely went off the rails um it wasn't my first time doing a big road trip um I, I had driven to Seattle and back a couple years ago, and so I was pretty confident in my abilities to uh, manage the trip, and, and uh, since I was going to do more of a camping, sleeping in my car, hotels, kind of sporadically, I didn't have to plan as much ahead. I had the route down, um, and yeah, and, and it was probably the... It was the second car accident I've ever been in, and, mm. and so it was. So you were planning on going from New Orleans three day, just a three hour tour, just three days, and then Florida for that festival, and then from Florida up to Tennessee to do the caretaking. Yeah, and, and I would have had about two weeks of time in between the festival to when I needed to be in Tennessee. Where I've been, I've been debating moving out of Austin, so I was going to go to like Raleigh, North Carolina, because I've heard a lot of good things and. And up there, and just kind of slowly make my way around, hang out in Florida a little bit longer. I wanted to go all the way down to Key West before I returned, um, and and just find mics and stuff to do along the way. So it was it wasn't like a tour where anybody expected me to be coming. Or it was a purely open mic traveling, just because you know I had comedy is a hobby and passion of mine, but uh, and a great way to just meet people and travel around if there's places to do it. But it wasn't like I embarked on a tour to really promote myself or make money, you know? Like, you, yeah, yeah, it was just something I like practice. Right. And the thing is, when you go to the same place every night and do the same stuff, then you're not, uh, then like, you know, the cat's already out of the bag. So you need to go to like new rooms to see how your stuff works with new people. Yeah, and, and I did that because, you know, if, if you go to, New Orleans is very much like Austin where each night is a different show all over town you know you're not going to the same room necessarily all the time yeah um and, and i have a pretty unique comedy routine I, I rarely do the same five minutes you know i have the same core jokes but i almost always am doing little riffs on what other people are talking about 
um, I'm a I'm a very unrigid comic and and that's been one of my my biggest pet peeves about doing comedy is how much time you have to put in to get five minutes and how many people you see repeat the same five minutes over and over and over again for the same audience because it's all just us comics and um, that's one of the things I've been I've a lot of people that have been regulars to some of our shows I, I often become one of their favorites and end up closing most of the shows because um, um, you know I'm, I'm unique and different each time I go on stage do you use your schizoaffective as a superpower to kind of like to step your toe in the ether of infinite ideas and um, well you know they always say there's a fine line between genius and insanity and I definitely I wrote that I feel like <laughs> that's note six <laughs> Um, I feel that about you, and, and you know, like, like I could, I, I could get into um, a, a long description of some of the stuff I've experienced in psychosis, and it, it is interesting because it does allow my brain to really go all over the place and be a very, um, you know, I, I'm a spiritual person. I kind of believe in karma. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in God, I believe in Zeus, I believe in I'm a pagan, where I don't believe in just one God, but all of them, potentially. Um, and, like, it's sometimes in a hallucination, you know, there'll be something happening or that I'm either seeing visually or, you know, experiencing in some other way that is completely otherworldly from and even more real than my everyday reality that I'm in. And so that's what's been the biggest challenge of letting go of some of those ideas. And, and like, you have to chalk it up constantly in your head. Like, is that happening because I'm crazy or is that a good idea or is, is it well thought out? Or, um, especially when I'm in, uh, you know, kind of manic states. But luckily, I've been pretty stable the last year. Um, on, uh, after last October, I went to the Georgetown. Uh, mental hospital and a doctor listened to me and gave me pills I can take instead of a shot and I've been stable since last October on a new medicine regimen um, so that's been good um, mm-hmm. but at the same time the medicine can can sometimes arc your creativity and, and take away from some of that um, you know I, I feel like I like to do a lot of creative writing um, I like to make little jokes on the internet um, but I, it's just such a wide range of topics can just appear in my head and I can think of a little tidbit about them, you know. Um, I grew up on the internet. I, I, I spend the majority of my time reading it and, and you know, the sum of human knowledge I'll put at my fingertips my whole life has been a great eye-opener. Um, and it's a really unique kind of way to grow up. Is I remember being in, like, 1991, choosing between Saturday morning cartoons and, like, chat rooms. And I chose the chat rooms more often than not. And so I've always been kind of... Like, I learned how to type before I could write really well with a pen. So, um, it's been an interesting way that my brain has developed. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a creature of the internet. Yeah. Uh, I wonder about the kids who are, like, on the pads all the time. If that is is them upgrading into the hive mind. Or if that's them being enslaved by their device, you know. Well, I, I feel that the desktop computer is the best learning device ever created, um, and that tablets have a very core uh, functionality of tactile feedback missing from them that doesn't reinforce learning like 
other advice. Like a typewriter. Yeah. Right. Um, well, how long? Oh, well, we've done about 40 minutes. Uh, well, how that that went by fast. Um, any, uh, how can people find you on the social network? I noticed that when you text me on Facebook, you have a different, an alternate identity there. Is that from um, uh, avoiding the, your $900 extradition to New Orleans or? Um, I, that's just because I hate Mark Zuckerberg. Um, oh, okay. You and, don't want him having your data, so you go by a pseudonym on Facebook. Well, I, I mean, I, I, have, I have two accounts just because, you know, the more, I mean, like, like I have multiple Gmail accounts, multiple Facebook accounts, multiple Twitter accounts, and multiple Reddit accounts, just because I don't really have a good social media strategy. Well, sometimes you're like, pagan, sometimes you're Christian, you know, sometimes you're looking for... You know, waking girls with hot booties, and then other times you're, you know, trying to find that Christian babe to like tame you. You know, right? Um, um, I mean, I have a couple. If you want to hear my comedy, you can go to my YouTube, which is just Benjamin Sefton. There's probably there's some videos on there. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at Good Benfluence. Um, Instagram I don't use. Facebook we're not friends, so don't follow me there. Um, that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Highway Diary, episode 385. The uh, terrible, uh, traumatic time in New Orleans with Dr. Benjamin Sefton. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>